Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. This week, we are discussing You Can't Always Get What You Want, which was a very appropriate title for this episode because I did not get what I wanted, Caitlin. <laughs> but anyway, it is the fourth episode of season two, which was written by our friend and yours, Jennifer Cecile directed by Joanna Kearns, and originally aired on October 12th, 2004. And, uh, Caitlin, Joanna Kearns is a new name to the One Tree Hill family this season. Yeah, I haven't heard that name yet. So I am going to give you a a few fun facts about her, because, you know, I love to do that sort of shit. (laughs) Of course, of course. (laughs) Anyway, so the interesting thing about Joanna Kearns is that she didn't really start off as a director. She started off in acting, Her career got kicked off with guest spots on Charlie's Angels, Emergency, Chips, The A-Team, Starsky and Hutch, Street Hawk, Laverne and Shirley, Three's Company, Hill Street Blues, The Love Boat, Hunter Quincy, M.E., Magnum P.I., and V. And then after those roles, she ended up getting a steady acting job in 1983 on the show The Four Seasons, which is based on the 1981 film of the same name. The show only lasted one season. It wasn't very well received by any means, but Kearns ended up sealing the show, apparently. But her big break, though, came in the TV series Growing Pains, where she played Maggie Malone Seaver, which was a leading role on the show. Did you ever watch Growing Pains? I never did. You know, I think I've seen episodes of it, but I don't really know much about it. So I wouldn't know that. I wouldn't know that at all. (laughs) Yeah, well, she was like the the matriarch of the family, essentially. So, you know, she was basically like a sitcom mom. And that was a big show. It was a really big show. That lasted, I think it was like 1984 to like 1991. So yeah, that was like her big break. But apparently, uh, when she was on Growing Pains, she ended up catching the directing bug. So she directed one episode and basically just fell in love with the whole process and after that, she moved on to directing several shows. So I'm just going to do like a rapid fire list of like all of the shows she has directed since then. She ended up directing Dawson's Creek, Titans, Scrubs, Private Practice, Psych, Felicity, Grey's Anatomy, Privileged, ER, Ghost Whisperer, Army Wives, Pretty Little Liars, Switched at Birth, The Goldbergs, This Is Us, Fuller House, Roswell, New Mexico, and most recently, and this is my favorite show amongst this list, uh, High School Musical, The Musical, The Series, which she has directed four episodes of. Oh my gosh. Those are some (laughs) big shows. I know, yeah. Holy crap, go Joanna. Yeah, she's been she's been working, and she also continues to act sporadically too. But I feel like her big focus right now is directed, which honestly, good for her. Very very happy for Joanna. And she's directing like dramas, teen dramas, comedies. Like it's a whole mix of different shows. Exactly, go Joanna. We stand. Yes. Um, but. I do not stand this episode, unfortunately, so I will hype up Joanna, but I'm not going to hype up this episode, and you will hear some of my thoughts as we get into it. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Joanna. You're great, though. I love you. <laughs> I just do not like this episode. It's all good, Jeremy. It's all good. Okay, cool. Hopefully she forgives me. As a reminder, this podcast is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. Brooke meets Felix, her new rich next-door neighbor, and is instantly irritated by him because he swims in her pool naked, steals her parking spot at school, and has a huge ego. Brooke reveals to Peyton that her family is filing for bankruptcy and they may have to sell the house. Since Brooke is upset about her sudden lack of money, she steals a bra from a store, and as she's getting caught, Felix pretends to be her boyfriend and pays for it. Haley and Nathan discuss using her savings to buy a car. Instead, Nathan uses the money to surprise Haley with a keyboard because he truly believes in her music. But Haley is upset by this because they really need the wheels. In the end, Haley is able to keep the keyboard because Keith offers to help fix up an old car for them. Peyton goes to Karen for advice because she has an idea for an all-ages club night, but she's having trouble getting any club owners interested. Karen tells her that if she believes in the idea, then she should see it through. Peyton gets a meeting with a club owner, and he likes her ideas, but then he offers her cocaine. 
Did Peyton take it? Who knows? Karen has her first day of college classes and meets her professor, Andy, who shares his experience as a businessman and inspires Karen to think bigger in terms of her own business. As a result, Karen takes Peyton to the space that was used for Haley and Nathan's party and proposes opening a club where she will need Peyton's help to run an all-ages night. Lucas overhears Deb tell Karen that Dan is depressed and doesn't want to do rehab. Lucas helps Dan get out of the house and start rehabbing, but then Dan takes it too far and offers Lucas a sports car. Lucas tells Dan that he can't be bought. Getting into a car race with my crush's ex-boyfriend because I'm an insecure asshole who needs to have a dick measuring contest to make me feel good about myself, even though my crush should never give me the time of fucking day, and I should just shut the fuck up. I am Jeremy Rodriguez. Oh, oh my gosh, there was so much anger. <laughs> oh my god. Caitlin, I hate this episode. <laughs> it's a doozy. <laughs> Swimming anyway, in so- who are you? <laughs> Swimming in someone else's pool, I'm Caitlin Illinich. Oh, great. Cool. <laughs> you decide to take the whole summer out, kind of. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about. Y- yes. But first... I just... I hate it. I let's hate this talk episode. about... <laughs> All right, we can, we can get on. We can, like, actually, you know, go, go by the script and go into our actual agenda. Let's do this, because I'm going to go off. Go, Caitlin. Go. <laughs> Transition us, please. All right, let's let's first talk about the song. So this episode is titled after You Can't Always Get What You Want by the Rolling Stones. And obviously this is a really famous song. And I connected, there was a particular line that's the most well-known, I would say. Um, I connected that line to like some examples in the episode. You can't always get what you want, but if you try sometime, you'll find you get what you need. And I think a few of the characters experience that in in this episode. For example, when Nathan gives Haley the keyboard, I think Haley doesn't realize, like, that's what she needed. She didn't even realize she wanted it until, like, it was going to be taken away. And she was grateful that they could keep it in the end. Um, Karen and Peyton kind of, they go together here in this episode. Karen, she, well, Peyton comes to her for with this idea for the all ages night and then Karen starts to get some inspiration from her classes and I feel like she needed those classes to kind of respond to Peyton's idea and open that club ultimately so they kind of needed each other in this episode what were your thoughts that's cute Karen and Peyton needed each other I didn't even think about that to be honest with you because I was so busy hating on some of the storylines in this episode that I took it in a completely different direction with my analysis. So, for example, you know, I did the same thing. I examined that line that you called out from the chorus. Um, But Brooke, she wanted money. She wanted to be the rich girl because that's what she's good at. That's what she said at some point in this episode. But she needed Felix to break her out. So, she can't always get what she wanted. That was the money. But she needed Felix. And then Karen, I feel like, she, yeah, she wanted to expand the cafe. But, and yeah, I, I get your point when you said that she needed Peyton. But I feel like at the end of the day, this episode was trying to tell us that she needed Andy. Because Andy is the one who actually encouraged her to make these expansion plans. So she needed Andy, like, by her side. So, like, really, like, give her, like, the... Give her the, what's the word I'm looking for? The I push, can't speak words. A push in the right direction. The push, yeah. yes. I can't even speak words because of this episode, <laughs> Caitlin. It's, it's not cool. Um, and, you know, Haley, I took a little bit more literally. Like, she wanted the car, but I feel like she needed the keyboard so she could actually, um, you know, get the drive to, like, start making music. But I feel like the argument could also be made there that she also needed Nathan to get that keyboard for her. So basically this episode is trying to tell us that women can't do anything without a man's help. Oh, oh my gosh. I definitely didn't think of it on that level, but now that you bring up those examples. Yeah, it's a great message. Great message. Great message that we all need to hear, right? Right? Yeah. 
you always do that. You always find <laughs> something that I didn't even consider. I always find something that makes the listeners hate us, that makes the listeners not want to listen to any more episodes of the show, because I am the SJW bullshitter. <laughs> well, we keep it real here at Always and Forever, so... We really do. <laughs> But next up, can we talk about the new characters, Felix and Anze? I'm really excited to talk about Felix in particular. Let's do it. Do I dare ask what your thoughts about Felix are? (sighs) I can't fucking stand this guy. (laughs) At all. Watching this, like re-watching this and really paying attention to like what he says, his dialogue in this episode. Wow. It's really like, it's really rough. And let's be honest, too, Michael Copon does a pretty good job at playing this role. But in recent years, uh, Michael Copon has had some very problematic views about a lot of things. And I don't want to start shit right now, but if you go to his Instagram page, you'll notice that none of the cast members from One Tree Hill follow him. Oh, wow. Except Antoine Tanner, which I'm not trying to say that means anything. I don't know. But... For all we know, like, maybe he just followed him, forgot to unfollow him or anything or something like that. But I'm just saying that's very talent. I'm not really going to get into, like, some of his, like, views and whatnot, but that can also be informative on my disdain for the character. But I even feel like the character on his own is just a shitty, shitty dude. Yeah, his... Oh, my gosh. And this was, what, 2004? Mm-hmm. Even in 2004, like, this is really cringeworthy. I think, personally. Yeah, how he, like, checks out, like, every woman that he walks by, like, looks them up and down. It's creepy. He's just super entitled. Like, he somehow thinks that he's entitled to Brooke. Like, and he, the stuff that he says, like, I kind of, I kind of, um, I don't even want to think about his exact dialogue because kind of, it's kind of, <laughs> it's just really, like, bleh, revolting. In particular, that one line where he's like, you know, this is how it starts off. We get into a fight. We slap you. You slap me a few times. And then we just get to the sex. But why don't we just cut to the sex or whatever the fuck he says? I Yeah. And like, he just thinks that he just can have sex with Brooke or like that she's automatically going to be interested. Yeah. And that saying that would be a turn on? Like, ugh. <laughs> Which, I mean, to be fair, that particular line I feel like is interesting because it's calling out the tropes of TV, especially back in the day. Because that was always a thing. Like, oh, two people who hate each other. Then they end up, like, getting together. You know, is is that going to happen between Felix and Brooke? Who knows? I mean, we'll see. Um, Because we're spoiler-free. Who knows if it'll happen? But I feel like that's interesting to look at today, though, because honestly, you really shouldn't hate your potential partner yeah i feel like you should at least like like them a little bit in the beginning maybe you can be wrong about them but maybe you can be wrong about them and then learn something new about them later on but yeah i feel like in felix's case he's just like completely despicable from day one i think i think that trope like going from the hate to love kind of relationship i feel like that still persists in media today like in books oh, really? and then and in movies and tv you don't think it does i can't think of any off the top of my head but do you know of any modern examples that you can think of off the top of my head no because you're putting me on the spot jeremy <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> i don't know mate i've seen okay so i have seen storylines where like two people are at odds with each other where they start off as enemies, and then they become a couple. I've seen stuff like that, but it's usually like, I don't know, I feel like in modern day, it's a little bit more nuanced. Whereas this, this guy is like a complete trash, like from episode one. Whereas I feel like in modern day examples, like characters aren't necessarily complete trash from day one. Yeah, I don't know about that in terms of like comparing it necessarily to Felix, but like yeah. hate or, well, I mean, not a modern example. See, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But (laughs) I think of, well, I don't want to give spoilers away, but I think of Veronica Mars. That's all I'll say. But, um. Should we give a spoiler warning for Veronica Mars? (laughs) I actually have a Veronica Mars uh, reference later on. (laughs) Do you really? 
in our discussion. Yeah, actually, that's funny you say that. Talk about Veronica Mars, though, please. <laughs> well, Logan and Veronica, I mean, they definitely did not like each other at all in season... Yeah. The first, I guess, half of season one. You're right. And even when Which they that, kissed... That came out the same year as One Tree Hill, so... Yeah, it is the same year. Or not the same it's, year. Well... Season one was the same year as this season, actually. Funny. Yeah, Funny yeah. Enough. I thought 2004. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I said it wasn't a modern example. R- right, right. So, okay. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. I'm listening. <laughs> well, the first, I guess, half, I don't know the ex- episodes off the top of my head, but about the first half of the first season, Logan and Veronica do not like each other at all. And then mm-hmm. they end up getting close, and then that kiss. Oh, my God, that kiss. <laughs> oh, that kiss. It's a good one. Because it totally throws you off like that's gonna happen for sure yeah i feel like that was a little bit more forgivable though because logan is like an asshole in early season one there's a there's a lot of problematic examples of him in modern day that we can like completely dissect but this is not a veronica mars podcast so we can't really talk about that right now um but I feel like Logan's a little bit more likable though because you get to see more layers of him and I'm not saying we don't get to see layers of Felix, but... It takes a while, I think, to see layers for Logan. It takes a bit. It's us. And then you start to... Oh, no, I'm getting the story. I'm going to get... I don't... Ugh. I haven't watched that in a few years, so... Right. <laughs> My storylines and, and time frames in that series are a little little fuzzy. But, um... All good. I, th- I remember it taking a while to start to, like, see the other side of him. It's Oz. But the thing that's interesting about him, though, is that we actually see, like, scenes where he's by himself, and you realize, like, okay, he's a little bit more to meets the eye. Felix, we don't get that. When is there ever a moment where we get to be by himself where it's like, oh, there's he's a little bit more, more to him than meets the eye? Except for the fact when he buys the bra for book. B- buys the bra for book. <laughs> buys the bra for Brooke. <laughs> I'm keeping that in. <laughs> And then it's like, oh, look at that. He rescued her, but he's still doing it in a way to try to seduce her and try to say, like, hey, like, I'm going to be seeing you in it later. <laughs> yeah, there, there's I I think the purpose of his character in this episode is he was basically supposed to be like a tornado. He's coming through Tree Hill. That's basically what he is. Yeah. He's just coming through Tree Hill and he is just throwing everyone off. Brooke, um, the whole cart. The car race with Dan and Lucas. Oh, my God. And he's just trouble. I think that's really how we're supposed to see him right now. And we're not supposed to see another side, at least in this episode. Right. I'm just saying, if they want us, if they want to, if they want Felix to win us over, he's not doing a really good job at all. The writers aren't doing a good job. It's just too better. I think you're supposed to hate him. Or or dislike him, at least. Because, yeah, what does he really offer? I mean, is that moment really redeeming in the end with the bra? I don't think so. Yeah. Like you said, then he says all these things to Brooke. And And then Brooke gets naked in his pool at the end. Like, what... (laughs) Like, what is that supposed to be telling us? Like, Brooke is supposed to, like, this is her way of saying thank you, you know? Mm-hmm. By the way, she is, Sophia Bush is totally not naked in that pool. You can totally see that she's wearing a halter top, and it just gave me a little chuckle. Are you serious? She's totally wearing a halter top if you, like, pay attention close enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to look again. <laughs> You know what I honestly imagine? I imagine, like, you know, they, they probably they tried to tell Sophia that she had to get naked, and she was probably like, um, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they had her put on a halter, and then she put on a halter top instead. I don't know, like, that's just my fantasy for Sophia. Sophia was probably like, uh, fuck no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're probably right, honestly. Because it's, un- it's completely unnecessary. So, the fact that she even got into the pool is kind of weird to me. Why did she need to do that? Or why did she... Why, yeah, why did she do that? Oh, you know? oh, you know what bothers me? Speaking of that, the comparison between Felix and Brooke. Was it yes! Peyton was the one who made that comment? I'm like, Yes, what? I wrote that down. What? Brooke says, okay, but guys, how can you make Nathan jealous? Because they're talking about the situation where uh, Nathan was jealous because Felix was hitting on Haley. 
And then Brooke says, this boy is repellent. I mean, he's been here for, what, five seconds and he's already buttoning everybody else's business, bossing people around and acting like he owns a place? Come on. And then Haley and Peyton laugh. And then Brooke's like, what? And then Peyton says, Earth Brooke, he's you in pants. And honestly, if somebody told Brooke to, like, fuck off, I feel like Brooke would fuck off if she was actually annoying somebody. Felix is not fucking off. So no, they are not the same person. Yes, that made me angry too. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't agree at all. Like, almost forgot about that part. They're both outgoing. I guess you could say social. Brooke says things with sass at times, but I don't know how they're supposed to be seen as similar. Yeah, I mean, we could make the. <sighs> hmm, I'm almost wondering about this now, though, because we could make the. Uh, the note about her in early season one when she's naked in the back of Lucas's car. Is that any is that any different than Felix getting naked in her pool, you know? Yeah, I actually thought of that scene too as a comparison. Yeah. Maybe you could say yes, that scene in particular, maybe there's a little bit of a similarity, but overall, I don't know. Ugh, that's tough. It's tough, because it, that's true. That scene was a little... It was a little much for Brooke, but I mean, it's kind of an iconic scene, but at the same time, and yeah, we already dissected that, but. At the same time, Brooke is a sex offender for doing it, and so is Felix. Felix is also a sex offender for getting naked and somebody else's fool. Who does that? Especially <laughs> in broad daylight? I don't know. Oh my goodness. I mean,. The argument could be made, like, at least Brooke knew Lucas, kind of. I mean, you know, they they went to the same school, they've seen each other at the very least. But Felix, this is this is Brooke's first interaction with the dude. Yeah. Like, we could say maybe Brooke was misinterpreting sim- signals or something like that, and that's why she said, like, she decided to get naked, but Felix, like, Felix, you don't know Brooke, you shouldn't be doing this. Did Felix, like, see her, you know, and... Was he purposely wanting Brooke to see him in the pool? Or did he just randomly do that and Brooke ended up? Maybe. What if Brooke's parents came out, though? (laughs) I know. And that whole scene, oh, that whole scene's problematic, I think. At the very beginning. Which one? When she's trying, she's speaking Spanish. Oh, yeah. I definitely see that, so yeah. (laughs) That was... Oh my! You know, swim here, which, uh, which I'm like, if he actually is the pool boy, you really shouldn't be talking to him like that. But no. At the same time, though, like Felix did kind of deserve it, but maybe not. Like maybe he didn't deserve the race, the racism there at all, though. I know it made me cringe that whole scene. I'm like, I didn't even think of that scene. Like I didn't even, you know, analyze it before. That yeah. Deeply. Because you know what? We're a little bit more socially aware now. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. That's um, true. Which, speaking of the Spanish, though, you notice that Felix says, Por aquí te veo. Translation, I'll see you around. I'll be seeing ya. <laughs> really? I didn't think to translate that. Is there, uh, are they trying to make a parallel here to try to make you think this is the Lucas and Peyton of the show? Listeners, I am smirking right now. I, yeah. You can't hear that. I don't think they're I'm trying smirking. to do that, but I'll see, I'll see you around is a little bit different than I'll be seeing you, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, that's a literal translation, but maybe that's like, you know, what they were trying mm-hmm. to establish with that meaning, because... Who knows, like, what their plans are with Felix at this current moment in time. You know, when they start writing this episode, who knows? And Yeah, I'd love to be in the writer's room for this. Yeah. Like, maybe they thought, like, Felix is going to be Brooke's main love interest. And I'm not saying that's not going to happen. We, you know, we don't know. Ugh. (laughs) Felix! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's what I have to say about that. <laughs> oh my SMH. goodness. Uh, but, uh, is there anything else we need to talk about as far as Felix is concerned? I'm bored with Felix. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, we touched on the whole bra scene with Brooke stealing their bra. 
And yeah, we didn't really talk about her specifically. Yes, her family is broke now. Yeah, she revealed that to Peyton, and they might have to sell the house, which, whew. <laughs> and Bro- Brooke's funny, she says, <laughs> she says something about being rich is like, that's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's so, it's really tragic, though, because, like, that's the only thing that she sees, like, her worth in, you mm-hmm. know? So, I, I kind of like this journey for Brooke right now, because, you know, we have not kept it a secret how much we fucking love Brooke, but I feel like this is the beginning of a really good journey for her. Like, she starts to see her worth in other things, aside from her money, and what she can, like, offer to her friends. You know? Yeah. We're gonna realize that she actually is an incredible human. Yeah, I think the storyline opens the door for some character growth, for sure. And Definitely. Yeah. I'm interested to talk about this as a as we progress with the storyline, but won't say too much. <laughs> yes, yeah. for sure. Shall we move on to uh, talking about Anzi, who I have a little bit more of a nuanced take on? <laughs> yeah, so he was another <laughs> new character in this episode, and the way they're introducing him makes it seem like he's going to be around for a little bit, because... yeah. They're kind of pairing him with Karen. How would you feel if a teacher sat down next to you acting like a student and then got to the front of the class to be like, just get it on the teacher? How would you feel? I would be like taken aback. I, yeah. I thought it was weird. (laughs) It definitely is. And he said like, oh, I always choose one student who I think is going to give me a run for my money. And I'm like, how how can you tell that? (laughs) Yeah. How was he supposed to know that? Aside from... It's just his excuse to, like, flirt, Mm -hmm. honestly. And there's definitely a little bit of flirting going on. Like, you know, we see him show up at the cafe at the end of the episode. Um, He ends up giving Karen some advice about, like, expanding the business and everything like that. And, well, he doesn't really give her advice. He just, I feel like he gives her, like, that push. Because Karen always wanted it. She always wanted to expand the cafe. But then it's Andy who ultimately inspires her. Well, he shares his experiences, so... In a way, it was kind of like advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's a little strange because Karen is just starting these classes and where they're going right now with this story, it seems like these two, like there's a thing between them. Yeah. But like, they just started classes. <laughs> I don't yeah. understand. Like, that's really inappropriate. Yeah, there's there's not even power dynamic, potentially. I mean, the, these are two adults. But yes, where they're situated right now, there's an uneven dynamic, for sure. Because even though he's younger than her, he's still her teacher. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day. So, there's a lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. And ugh, you really wonder, like, why they had to go that route. Like, why couldn't he be inspiring just as the teacher? You know? You know what I would have loved to have seen? I would have loved to see like, a like, a powerful, powerful woman at the front of the class. And she just turns out to be, like, a really good mentor for Karen. You know how much I would love to say that? But no, they decide to push it in this potentially romantic direction. Yeah, they're killing two birds with one stone, I guess. Yeah. Pushing Karen um, in maybe a romantic relationship, or and at the same time, pushing her, you know, to open this club now. Yeah. And to be honest, here's where my uh, complicated feelings on the situation goes. I really like seeing these two in scenes together. I feel like they do have chemistry. I feel like they play off of each other very well. Simultaneously, I know that this type of relationship is not okay. And I feel like that's something that needs to be talked about, too. Because there's nothing wrong with shipping these characters together. As long as you realize, like, this is actually not okay in real life. You know it's not okay to happen in real life? Great. Okay. Now you can shift these two together. You can read fanfic. You can do all you want now. It is fine. Just to, to acknowledge it. Yeah. You can subtle, you know, as long as you acknowledge it, like in the back of your mind, you're okay. So yeah. those are my complicated feelings on those two. You know, looking back, I, you know, I previously didn't ever pick up on that when I was like a teenager or whatever, but. Yeah, it is really like revisiting the the show now. It's it's a little weird. It's a little weird. Yeah. 
But you're right. There is some chemistry there. And I am interested in Andy a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm interested in his character. Yes. I can't say that about Felix, but I am interested (laughs) in Andy. (laughs) Maybe our feelings on Felix will change as the season develops. Silence. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? I'll give the benefit of the doubt, you know? Who knows? I could, like, end up changing my mind and be like, I love him. He's the greatest character. He's better than Brooke. There needs to be a Felix spinoff. Just wait to the spoilers. Just wait to the spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Let's talk about more happy things than... uh, Yes. (laughs) These two semi-problematic... Well, one's definitely problematic, and one's... Yeah, they're problematic. So <laughs> Yeah, they're both problematic, like, let's just be honest. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. I love... two, uh, two women working together. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> I love the fact that they, Peyton and Karen, are paired together for this little yeah. club, nightclub storyline. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool that Peyton had that idea, you know, and, and she thought yeah. to come to Karen... And ask for some advice. Wow, that's a lot for a teenager. (laughs) You know, to be that organized and motivated to and have this this really good idea, but like to try to get that I don't know what I'm saying. (sighs) (laughs) We hate this episode so much that we get At least I hate the episode. So to bring anyway. this idea to fruition, basically, she... Okay. I mean, it's its a lot for a teenager to do that. And like, wow, it's a really big, big idea. And I love that in the end, Karen is the one to suggest opening a club and then putting Peyton as the lead. But mm-hmm. in between that, Peyton sees a club owner, a potential club owner, who might be interested and... Ugh, that whole scene with the drugs and everything. and Yeah. It's like, you know that stuff it's... happens in the music world, but mm-hmm. this is also For a sure. teenager, and... Yeah, which is really gross to think about. Really the fact that he even... Yeah. And it kind of, like, Peyton is like, uh, what should she do? And it cuts away, so we don't really know what she ended up doing. We just know that the meeting... She said it didn't work out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Didn't she say that to Brooke, I think? That it didn't Yeah, she says that yeah. to Brooke. She says, it's not going to work out. Um, but regardless, she ends up working with Karen, and it's cool. And we have no idea. Did Peyton do cocaine with that Rick guy? We don't really know. I mean, I would be assuming that, that no, she didn't. Okay. But we'll, we'll see. Yeah. The, the fact that she said... Uh, it's not going to work out. Yeah, it does lead you to think that she did turn down the drugs. But we'll see. We'll see if this... Is this the last we ever see of this guy? I don't know. <laughs> we will see. And I'm just curious about this whole storyline in general. Like, it's... That's really cool that there's going to be a club in Tree Hill. Like, that's super cool. Yeah, for all ages. Cool. Did you ever go to an all-ages club? I don't think so. <laughs> I was like, do these things actually exist? I don't think so. I'm just thinking about it. Like, on, on Buffy, there's a similar uh, club just like this. It's like an all-ages nightclub. And I'm like wondering, like, has does this sort of thing exist in normal places? Or is this just a way to see teenagers in a nightclub setting? I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a little <laughs> too convenient. Yeah, but it, it's still cool to say. I'm excited to see what can come of this place. Because, like, there are nightclubs where you can be under 21 and go into, but you're not going to be, like, a kid going in there. Yeah. I guess 18 I, I and know, over. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Th- yeah, there's one club in, uh, in th- there's one gay club in Philly that has, yeah, 18 and over. They have 18 and over nights. But that's 18 and over. Like, yeah, can you yeah. get in at 16? <laughs> like, yeah. So. so. So many questions. But I'm looking forward to seeing what happens here. So am I. And like you said, two women working together. How lovely. 
Yes. Yeah, I thought those two were just so adorable. I love that Peyton even, like, goes up to Karen and she's like, you know, I, I'm sorry things didn't work out between you and my dad. No surprise there from any of us. Um, but I was really enjoying getting to know you and, you know, I was hoping we could keep in touch. I just thought that was really sweet. I know. And that was their way of, like, wrapping up that story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, wasn't there, wasn't there an episode earlier than this one where where Karen says that, like, oh, I haven't spoken to Larry in weeks? Yeah. It was either... I feel like she's... Was it the end of season one? Or maybe it was the very beginning of season two? No, I feel like she said that in, like, the last episode or something, just as, like, a subtle way yeah. to say, like, hey, we're not talking anymore. <laughs> Probably because they couldn't get the actor back or something like that, or because their relationship just couldn't go anywhere because... Let's be honest, it wasn't good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I knew you were going to bring up that, that part. <laughs> I knew it. The only good thing about their relationship is the whole uh, is the whole cheer that Karen does. Like, go, Ravens! Go, mighty Ravens! If you really want to score, sign us something, something more. Go, Ravens! <laughs> I don't know how it goes. Oh my gosh, you did the whole thing last time. <laughs> I did, yes. I wrote it down, but like, those are, you know, that, that was from like a million episodes ago, yeah. so I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> yes. Oh, the only funny. good thing about them. Anyway, shall we move on to talking about what happens to the Scott men? Yeah, there's a lot going on in this episode with different, like, yeah. pairs of these characters. Mm-hmm. So initially we see Lucas helping Dan rehab because Dan has been depressed and not wanting to do it. So Lucas is, you know, he he's actually taking the time to go over there and help Dan. But then Dan is upset when he finds out that Nathan is working at the dealership with Keith. Mm-hmm. And I love that Keith refused to fire Nathan when Dan tried to get him to do it. I love that Keith did that. That was just good. I actually liked a lot of the scenes between Keith and Nathan, so. I, yeah, because we never really get to see Nathan and Keith. And it was so yeah. cool to see, like, this other side of the family. And I feel like Nathan has never really gotten to know Keith because of Dan. And now this is his opportunity it's really cute. It really is. Mm-hmm. Which, I'm still very curious about their dynamic, because obviously Keith showed up for, like, things like Thanksgivings, or, like, you know, Christmas and stuff like that. He's obviously showed up, while simultaneously having a relationship with Karen and Lucas. So I just want to know, like, what did their dynamic look like growing up? I'm, I'm still, like, always curious about that. Yeah, that's true, because he was so close with Karen and Lucas. And we're supposed to believe that Nathan and Lucas didn't even know about each other until they were, like, nine or something, because they both went to basketball camp. Yeah, that's really figured that out about each other. Maybe Keith was kind of seeing, like, Karen and Lucas almost in secret. Or we can just believe that their Keith and Dan's relationship was so tense because Keith also had a relationship with Lucas and Karen. And yeah. Maybe, yeah, he only went to the main holidays and things like that, and there really wasn't much of a relationship at all. Yeah, like, those are the only times they could actually see each other, mm-hmm. the sort of those holidays, which is kind of sad, because, you know, that's Dan's fault at the end of the day. Yeah, it's definitely his fault. Whew. He's caused a lot. Yeah. And, and taken away a lot from these characters. Uh, one one particular line from Dan that stood out to me is uh, toward the end of the episode when he's talking to... He's talking to Deb about Nathan. He says, remember when he was little? I used to take him to work with me on Saturdays. He'd have to get up early, but he didn't mind. He wanted to hang out with his dad. Now I'm thinking it was all a lie. What if I spent my life chasing the wrong things, Deb? Success, money, respect. What if it turns out none of it matters because I lost my family along the way? Can I get it back? Is it too late? That's a very interesting point to make. Yeah, it is. Because I think, I mean, I think that summarizes Dan's conflict. Because he chose all the wrong things and focused on all the wrong things instead of his family. Like, he could have had a relationship with both of his sons. And that, having those relationships probably would have made each individual relationship better in the long run. Yeah, exactly. Because there wouldn't be tension. 
Yeah. Instead of treating Locust like a saint on the bed sheets. Uh-huh. He could have actually treated him like an actual son. And now he tries to actually have a relationship with Lucas. He tries to uh, give Lucas a car. And that's what Lucas is like. I can't be bought. Yeah. Which is really, wasn't that really wonderful to hear. <laughs> wasn't that something? Dan just had to ruin it. Like, they were having a good time together. They were getting to know each other more. And he had to, like, cross that line and take it too far. Yeah. Which but, is a little bit sad if you think about but, it. Because... Go ahead, finish what you're Sorry. saying. No, you're good. All I wanted to add is that's what he did with Nathan, Nathan's whole life. So, I mean, look how that relationship turned out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, yeah. I was just about to say the same thing, basically. It's a little bit sad, the fact that he has to... He feels like his money is all that really defines him. And that's how, you know, he even says that at one point, too. He says, like, you know, oh, this is what I do for people I love or whatever. And Lucas, like, you know, he never really... You know, he grew up without money, essentially, so this isn't how he shows love. This isn't how he receives love. This is not his love language at all. No, you're right. So Dan's not used to this. Yeah, because Nathan, Nathan responded to that originally. I mean, Nathan's changing now. Um, yeah. I don't think Nathan would respond in that same way, but that's how he used to. Mm-hmm. Also, did you catch the quick scene in the car where... Felix asks Lucas, like, oh, who was this guy? And then Lucas is like, that's my, that's, he doesn't know, like, what to call Dan, because it's like, does he say this is my dad? You know, because Dan hasn't really been a dad at all. Only by blood. No, he hasn't. That was just a very cool touch to the scene, I feel like. And he did want to insult Dan by saying, like, oh, this is Dan. It's a really awkward moment, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But it was a nice touch to the scene. It was because I think I think that is realistic. Like you could be in a situation like that, you know, and trying to define a relationship that is so it's such a tough relationship because it it, it isn't a relationship, but it's like becoming yeah. a relationship. You know what I mean? So it, it <laughs> right. like how do you define that? Very similar to how like when you're just introducing somebody to somebody you just started dating. You're like, you don't want to say, like, this is my boyfriend, oh, are we? I don't I don't know. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, if you say boyfriend, then that's, like, defining it and maybe taking it a little too fast. But if you just say yeah. friend... It's like we went on three dates. If, <laughs> Come on, we're not dating yeah. yet. If you just say friend, then it's, like, a little cold. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, we're just friends. No biggie. Exactly. <laughs> oh... I'm glad you brought that so. up. I forgot about that scene. So, yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> so, what I also really liked um, in this episode was the fact that Keith offered to help Haley and Nathan fix up a car. Because that's their whole conflict in this episode. They are trying yes. to use their savings to purchase a car. And Nathan ends up not doing that. <laughs> he surprises Haley with a keyboard. Which, I'm sorry, he definitely should have bought the car. <laughs> if we're going to talk in real world terms, I feel like he should have bought the car. Like, they, okay, so the, these are kids, married, in their own apartment, paying for that. But they can yes. only have, what, part-time jobs? So they actually have savings, and they're going to blow that savings on a keyboard. Yeah, and Haley is not working? She's not? Oh, wait, no, she, she is. She should be at the She's cafe. She's working at the cafe. Duh. Duh. <laughs> we just haven't seen her work at the cafe the past few episodes. Yeah, we haven't in a while, actually. You're right. I completely forgot that she works there sometimes. <laughs> but he's but Nathan's being looked at as like the breadwinner, though, which I feel like is a, another problematic trope. You know, that he has to be the provider. And I'm like, they're in a relationship. They're supposed to be working together. You know? And if you're just if you discuss that you're going to make a big purchase like that like you have to agree on it and they both agree on it and then he goes behind her back and you know pays for something that's really unnecessary i mean it's sweet mm -hmm. it's sweet that he believes in her music that's lovely but i'm not realistic yeah. because come on now right but they're in a relationship they should have been discussing that together for sure absolutely um one interesting thing about that whole little storyline now like 
you notice there's like a, a few lines here and there where Haley says like, Nathan, I know you never really had to worry about managing money. And even Nathan says like, oh, I know nothing about managing money. Uh, she says that toward the end of the episode. Um, I feel like it would have been really cool to delve into the class differences between Nathan and Haley. Ooh, you're right. You know, because Haley, obviously, she, you know, she came from like, she didn't come from money at all. Um, you know, there's that line at the beginning of season one where Haley's like, oh, we're living here while we renovate the mansion. Ha ha. So funny. I feel like that would have been a really cool dynamic to really unpack. The fact that they both came from like different financial backgrounds. You're and right. They don't dive into that. But if you think about it, they. Re- I think it would have been really interesting to say. It would. Maybe we're thinking of that more so from an adult's perspective, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I agree. That's something that was never explored because, I mean, Haley comes from a big family also. Like, she doesn't come from money, right. and she also comes from a huge family. Versus Nathan yeah. was an only child, and his family happened to be rich. So, like, he really benefited from mm-hmm. from that. Um, and there are a lot of differences. I'm, I'm glad they... They acknowledged it. They just don't dive into it. There's a lot of things this episode does wrong. <laughs> Jeremy's face right now. I can't even describe it. It's just, oh my God. Sometimes I really wish, like, you know, that this podcast was on video because of some of my facial expression. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. All right. But shall we talk about the coda now? Yeah, let's do it. So the song is Sway by the Perishers, and I love this song. It's probably the only good part of this episode. Yeah, it's a really good song. <laughs> yes. Which, oh yeah, my Veronica Mars reference, when uh, Veronica and Logan dance starting to Sadie Hawkins dance in the middle of season two, and this is the song that plays. Is and it? I always think about this scene. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it seemed more familiar, and I was trying to think <laughs> about it. I always think about that episode of Veronica Mars whenever I hear this song. This is a song that I actually own. Like, I play this song on repeat every now and then when I'm feeling sad. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, I really love this song. Oh, I'm going to look up that scene now. The Sadie Hawkins yes, dance. it's so good. It's a very underrated scene, I feel like, too. Like, nobody talks about that one, but it's so cute. Oh, my, oh gosh. my gosh. Now you're making me want to watch Veronica Mars again. <laughs> Like it's... I have been rewatching season four. Okay. Speaking of which. Oh, that makes my stomach hurt. <laughs> <laughs> season four makes my stomach hurt. That's something we won't spoil yeah, for people who haven't we seen. We definitely won't spoil that. <laughs> I'll talk to you more about that later. Yep. <laughs> anyway, so what happens in this quota? We see Peyton draw, and then she gets a phone call from Karen. And then that's when Karen brings Peyton to the to the space where Nathan and Haley had their party. And then that's when she says, like, hey, let's have an all-ages night right here. She said it just like that, too. <laughs> like, in that little Sensani voice. <laughs> that, was, that was accurate, right? Okay. <laughs> yep. Uh, we see Dan and Lucas ponder the past separately. We s- what is Dan looking at? Dan's looking at a photo album, I believe? or I think so. They really, like, switched the scenes really fast. It was kind of hard to tell what was going on. Yeah, and then Lucas was looking at an album yeah, because the two of them was. were talking about their taste in music. Um, we see Andy visit Karen at her cafe, and then we see Brooke swimming naked in Felix's pool, and then she tells him that her pool is better. So she agrees with him in the Just end, because like, that's what he claimed in the beginning <sighs> of the episode. Uh, yeah. I mean, I get what I get what they were going for at the end with that scene when she's getting out naked. Like, they're trying to make it... I don't know, seem scandalous. I, I, I don't know what they were really going for, I guess. But Right. I'm pretty sure Brooke, like, actually asked for Felix's consent to say, like, hey, let me get into your pool. <laughs> but Yeah, we don't know that. Yeah, who knows? But whatever. <laughs> let's talk about our favorite quotes, Jeremy. What was yours? Yeah, let's let's talk about some of our favorite parts of this episode. <laughs> My favorite quote is when Haley is talking to Nathan. They have this little exchange about Haley threatening to kill Nathan because Nathan was insulted, like her songwriting abilities, essentially. And then Haley says, make sure the trunk is big enough to fit your body, just in case. (laughs) Talking about Nathan (laughs) looking at the car. (laughs) That was cute. I just thought that was funny. They throw little lines in there like that with Haley sometimes. It's funny. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, what was yours? 
So my favorite quote was actually the one you read earlier. Oh, really? You stole my thunder, Jeremy. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Which one was it? <laughs> um, what Dan said to Deb. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to read it again in your Dan voice? Do you want to do a dramatic <laughs> reading? Sure. I'll try. <laughs> I don't know if I can do a Dan <laughs> voice, though. <laughs> what if I spent my whole life chasing the wrong things, Deb? Success, money, respect. What if it turns out that None of it matters because I lost my family along the way. Can I get it back? Doesn't really sound like Dan, but I don't think I could sound like Dan, so. You sounded just like Dan, honestly. (laughs) I said that earlier. Like, okay, so if I'm playing, uh, if if I'm going to be playing Karen and Brooke, you're going to be playing Zan. No, you said Whitey. I didn't say you were going to play Dan. I said you you were going to play Whitey. That's right. (laughs) You can play Zan too then. Yay, it's wall roll. Oh my goodness. One tree hole reboot. <laughs> You're too much. That was a good line now. Yeah, it was. And sure. I just like the question at the end, which kind of leaves things unanswered. Unanswered. Can I get it back? Yeah. And we start to wonder, like, can Dan get it back? He's attempting to in this episode a little bit. He's trying to build a relationship with Lucas, but we don't know where that's going to go. Will he be For successful? Sure. I don't know. We haven't seen anything past this episode. No, we haven't. <laughs> Who knows? Favorite musical moment, though. I love the coda. So sw- yeah, sway same. by the perishers. <laughs> I feel like you can tell. Just like I'm like, this is the only good part of the episode. Yeah, <laughs> so, it, yeah. it was fantastic. Such a pretty song. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to make you sway. Like I know I've done before. I will not do it anymore. <laughs> it is a pretty song. I've always been a dreamer. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't sad in a while. No, we haven't. I feel like we need to bring that back. We're, we're violating our contracts. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening oh, here? Oh my goodness. All right. What is your rating for the episode? So I give this episode a three out of five stolen bras. <laughs> Okay. You know, it it's the worst episode of the season so far. All of the episodes, um, so one, two, and three, I've given a four. This one I give a three. Mm. Honestly, it was well, I mean we've already talked about Felix being problematic, so that's definitely like blech. And then <laughs> <laughs> We don't need to talk about it anymore. It's okay. We don't really need to talk about it too much more. So I just thought the episode was kind of boring. Honestly. Sam. It didn't really do anything for me. Like, none of the storylines were too interesting. I I would say the Peyton storyline probably was the most interesting. Mm -hmm. Trying to open up the club with Karen. So that was probably the most interesting part. Yeah. But you were so much more liberal than I was in your scoring. Oh, boy. Because I give this episode one out of five women doing what they want without a man's help. Oh, snap. Because... like like we said, like I, I feel like I've already went to my feelings about Felix. I went to my feelings about like how the you know, how these women have to do all these things with a man's help. I don't like it. I don't like any of the storylines in this episode. And you're right, I thought it was pretty boring. And I am very, very sorry to Jennifer Cecile and Joanna Kearns, who probably had to make this episode with men breathing down their necks and trying to say, like, oh, this is how men and women are. Ha ha ha. Have you ever given an episode like of one before? I have. I think uh, the second episode of season one. <laughs> That's because we had to re-record it. <laughs> <laughs> that was because so I had to done. re-record it. I, I legit did not like that episode. Rating, I was being fair. Your rating went down from the first recording to the second recording. So yes. <laughs> yes, it was because of the recording. It was not. Yes, it was. I will. Yep. I stand by that. Nope. Yep. I mean, you know, when you, when you watch something and repeat view it, sometimes you notice things differently. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But regardless, back on one out of five, this is also getting a one out of five. I'm pretty sure I've given it a one out of five before. Listeners, does anybody keep a track of our scores? Please let us know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I, I haven't. I haven't given anything a one. Or I don't even think a two. I definitely give it a few twos. <laughs> there. But regardless, I don't like this episode. But luckily... The next episode is much more interesting. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> yes. Which 
you will hear us talk about that next time. Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy. And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your final reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. All right, let's go off about Felix. <laughs> You're just dying to get it off your chest. I rewatching all of season two. He, I mean, they tried to redeem him, but it was weak. It was really yeah. a weak attempt because what he does with writing on Peyton's locker, I'm not mm-hmm. even gonna say it, but yeah, a homophobic slur on her locker. Yes. And, wow. When it's revealed that he was the one who did that, it's just like, ugh. This is so gross, you know? Yeah. Which, it makes us think, like, did they ever want us to like him? Was he supposed to be a straight-up villain from the get-go? I'm not entirely sure. You know, I don't really know, but I I feel like they wanted us to like him a bit. Because the whole thing with Brooke, and he was showing his sensitive side, and... There's a whole backstory with his past girlfriend and his heart was broken. And that was supposed to make you feel for him a bit. But it's a weak attempt, I think. I mean, what he did with the locker and there's no like winning him back, basically. Or what am I trying to say? There's no like way to redeem him after Mm -hmm. that. And I feel like we're supposed to sympathize with him, though, when Brooke breaks up with him. Because Brooke breaks up with him, like, right after she finds out that Felix wrote that slur on Peyton's locker. So, you know, the, the, like, the way the scene is shot, I remember. It's, we're supposed to be sympathizing with him, but I don't, I still don't. <laughs> you know? No. And I think, like, in the past, I might have felt, I felt differently, because I think they were trying to get you to feel for him, and I think I did feel a little bit bad, but now, look, looking at it again, I don't feel anything for him. Yeah, it's one of those things where you have to, like, really separate, like, this is what the writers want you to think, versus, this is what I actually think. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and it's, it's not good. Although, is, uh, I love the scene when Anna comes out to him mm-hmm. and that's like one of his like last scenes and he gets completely schooled it's so good i can't wait to talk more about anna oh we're getting close which... to that you know like we're getting <laughs> real close that's gonna be next episode well we're gonna talk about her but we're not gonna know we're not gonna find out you know she's bisexual and for a bit yeah so well, i'm really excited <laughs> because there may be some tears shed on this podcast oh my gosh <laughs> Yeah, we're going to get into some deep stuff, that's for sure. (laughs) I really can't wait. And then Andy. Like, we acknowledge the fact that it it is problematic. There's a power dynamic there. It's wrong that Andy is with Karen. But, like, we also know Andy (laughs) and what eventually happens. And it's hard to separate what we know. At least in my mind. I, I won't speak for you, but, like, it's hard for me to separate it. Yeah. But also, like, it's just, like, Andy actually is a good guy, even though there is this uneven power dynamic. But you can, st- you can still say, like, oh, he's a good guy, but he still is taking advantage of this situation by dating a student. It's it's really complicated. It really is. It is complicated. Like, they couldn't have figured out another way for Andy. Like, he had to be the professor, you know? Yeah. Like, what if he was a student? Yeah, in, what, what if he Karen's was a class? student? 
like a really successful student who like you know sold business sold his business and everything like that like you know and he's just taking some classes just for kicks like why couldn't they do that i mean later on at the end of the season it's like this whole plot point where he gets fired from his job for dating a student <laughs> and then he tries to get supported because dad like pulls some strings and whatnot so i mean that pushes things forward but i don't know i feel like it would have been better if he was a student it would have been better like I said, it's just one of those things where you have to, like, realize, like, this should not happen in real life. Never. No. Never, ever, ever, Absolutely ever. not. <laughs> but in this world, in this fictional universe, we can ship it. And it's it's okay. I feel like conversations like that are happening a, a lot around, like, things like Twilight or uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, where, like, we realize, like, these relationships are very problematic. They should not be like this. It's like, okay, you know that? Great. Now you can ship them. I could have told you about that with the Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Long ago. Right. I just know enough. I've never read it or watched it or really anything, but, like, I know enough to, yeah. Yeah. But as long as you know that, you can still, like, enjoy it for what it is. As long as you know this is not how relationships should be. Yeah. And that's that's my soapbox moment. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, so I completely welcome. agree with you. It's just... It's hard to, like I said, separate it in your head because they end up together and you're supposed to pull for Andy, at least later on. Yeah. At least he's a better guy than Felix. Who? Felix and Brooke, there is an even power dynamic between the two of them. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And we still fucking hate Felix. Uh. So there's a lot to unpack and... I'm sure, listeners, if you have any thoughts on this, feel free to let us know. We would love to read some of your thoughts on the show. Always OTHpod at gmail.com. I think I've said, ugh, too many times in this episode, <laughs> but it's appropriate, <laughs> so. <laughs> it really is. Oh. But let's talk about what this All Ages Night that Peyton puts together. What does it become? Trick! What does it become? <laughs> yes! <laughs> I love Trick. I want to go to Trick. So Can we have a Trick? Yeah. <laughs> Can, the, the, those events in the One Tree Hill Convention, does yeah. that take place at Trick? Um, not the one that I went to. I don't think they take place there. I think there is an they event have that happens had at Trick. concerts. Okay. I don't know what is actually in that building. I remember when I visited Tree Hill and... Saw I love that she said Tree Hill. Visited, well, it was Tree Hill, Jeremy. I visited Wilmington, and I saw the outside of Trick, but they didn't actually film inside there. Right, They right, had right. their own studio for that, so. Oh, uh, okay. Yep. Oh, that's a studio, then. They had their own set for, for that. Oh, okay, well, that's kind of disappointing to know. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. That they didn't have sets inside there. Well, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. You know, when I took the set tour, now it's really fuzzy because this was back in 2011. Right. And you weren't allowed to take pictures of the sets, like, like actually Not being really. on the sets where they filmed. Um, you couldn't take pictures. Mm, no. Yeah, that's how the so like that's how the studio tours usually are. Yeah. My memories are a little fuzzy. I remember seeing Nathan and Haley's house the inside of that and i remember seeing part of trick but i think it was just the office area it wasn't like the big area so maybe the big area was actually in trick i'm not sure you know i'm not sure let us know at always othpod at (laughs) (laughs) gmail.com Because we don't know how to Google at this point. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, there's a lot of like great musical guests that come on in Trick. It's really cool to say. And the reason why Trick even happened is because they couldn't come up with any feasible ways to bring more musical guests like Cheryl Crow or Kevin DeGraw to Karen's Cafe. Yeah. You know, this opens up the options a little bit. Yep, it's a bigger space, so... And I, I love where this takes the story because it, it takes Peyton's story from here till till the end of the series. She's involved with a trick. Yeah. And 
through the end of the series, is she still involved or in seasons like seven, eight, and nine? Like as like maybe a silent business partner or something? I don't I don't remember. I don't think so. I think Haley Haley mm. takes over. Remember there was that other woman, Miranda or something? She comes yeah, in. Yes, I do remember her. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was just Haley. Huh. Right? Possibly. <laughs> I don't remember. They don't really talk about the business end of things. Yeah, because that would not make good yeah, television. No, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but at least, you know, from Peyton from to the end of, her, not necessarily the series, but like the end of her series, which was season six. Yeah. So. Which some people like to say is the end of One Tree Hill. I disagree. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but... it really isn't, but it does wrap up a lot. Yeah, for sure. But yes, I love, I can't wait to talk about the trick scenes and the guests, musical guests that are on and. It's so much fun. Mm, so many good. It's just so much fun. So many amazing codas coming our way. Yeah. Think about this. We get to see some Kate Vogel, some Jack's mannequins, some Fallout Boy. Oh my gosh. Jimmy Eat World this season, which is like. Yes. Oh my God. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. <laughs> Remember I was texting you when I was rewatching. I'm like, I just can't handle this. Jimmy Eat World songs. <laughs> May angels lead you in. Is that the one you're thinking yep. of? And there's a bunch of others. And there's even one in season three. They weren't a musical guest, but it was a song that played. Oh my gosh. I just. Lots of Chubby Eat World in the show. There, I just there really re- is. Recall. There's like se- <laughs> four, at least four or five songs by them. 23 is my favorite coda of all time. Really? In episode 10. <laughs> wow. Jimmy World's not in, like, the episode, but the song is, <laughs> at the very least. I, I mean, I love that song. That's one of my favorite songs by them, yeah, too. Yeah, that's oh. that scene's so good. Oh, the one I'm thinking but. of in season three, which is a big episode, is Disintegration. And that plays when Dan's becoming mayor. <gasps> oh, is that the one where it's like, what happens to the love yeah. we both yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one. I love that. You burn me. I'm making up for both of us right now, these past <laughs> I few episodes. I can't bring out in song right now. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, very excited for the future of Trek. And we're going to be talking about a lot of these great moments at Trek, don't you, don't you think? And I will dare all of you listeners to keep listening <laughs> for all these fabulous moments. <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, I Will Dare is also the title of the next episode that we will be discussing, which is season two, episode five, which you'll hear us talk about next week. Yes. <laughs> A much better one than this episode, and that the episode is much better than this transition. I am so excited. Same. And from our OTH DVD box sets. Felix organizes a dare night that has Tree Hill teens taking crazy chances all over town. The adults try some daring behavior, too. Karen dates her business professor, and a beautiful customer cozies up to Keith. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. ya.